All right, for any of those who are tuning in on Facebook, we are going to try something on Wednesday nights, and that is to air the worship service, but to cut it off and then um, start it up again so that we can post the teaching part because we cannot post the worship part. So that way everybody can start at 7.30 and we don't have anybody wondering what's happening when we're going to be starting the thing. So that's uh, that'll be going on. If you're tuning in on Facebook, let us know. Daryl will read off who's there. Love to, to hear who's, who's hanging out here with us tonight. Hebrews chapter 6. We're going to pick up in verse 7. Last time in going up through verse 6, we saw he was talking about those who would fall away. It would be impossible to bring them back. And we talked about what was required for all that to happen. Well, here in this one, we're going, picking up in verse 7, For the earth, which drinks in the rain that often comes upon it, and bears herbs useful for those by whom it is cultivated, receives blessings from God. But if it bears thorns and briars, it is rejected and near to being cursed, whose end is to be burned. So rain comes down from heaven, and it waters the earth. It's the same rain that comes down upon the, the earth, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to come. And once it comes, it's going to water the seeds that are there. And whatever seeds are there are the ones that are going to come up. So what he's saying is that some earth continually brings forth good fruit. And some earth doesn't. And so after a while, that earth becomes labeled. This is good land. This is not good land. And, uh, and it become either labeled as barren, cursed, or it'd be uh, prosperous and good. The land of Israel... When the children of Israel went in there, it was told it said to be a land of milk and honey. That's very prosperous, very very good, and uh, that was the case for for many many uh, thousands of years. And then when Israel left it, it became barren, and it was barren most of the time that Israel was not in there in our more recent history. And then when Israel came back and took back the land, actually nobody wanted the land because it was barren and didn't really produce anything. When Israel came back and took it, they uh, set up some irrigation and did some things, and then all of a sudden the land started producing. Once it started producing again, everybody wanted it. <laughs> but the reason it started producing again is because Israel went back in there and did some work on it and got it to go. So before that, it was labeled as barren land, no good, and now it's prosperous, very, very prosperous. In fact, uh, some of the things would come from, from, from Israel and uh, from that area of the, of the, of the world is, is just known to be better and, and bigger. In fact, even in the industry that I have some connection with, the Red Sea has actually more vibrant fish than the same fish in other oceans. In fact, if you go to a fish store and you ask for a, uh, a particular, maybe an angelfish, a majestic angel or something, some kind of a butterfly fish, they will label it two ways. One, the general one, and another one, the Red Sea. And you can pay up as much as twice as much for one that comes from the Red Sea because the colors are that much different. So you have, uh, and if, you don't, if you've never heard this before, go up and look it up, Red Sea fish, and you'll see that you'll pay a lot more money for a Red Sea fish of the same species and size than you would for one that just comes from any other ocean. And I mean, they're still colorful in the other oceans, but not quite to the degree that the Red Sea ones are. No, those are the ones that are just very, very um, abundant. And this whole area, of course, was uh, once where the Garden of Eden was. Somewhere in that area is where the Garden of Eden was. It's, um, of course, not the Garden of Eden anymore, but somewhere in that area is where it had come from. But here he's talking about that the same water that's going to come down is going to water the earth, and it depends on what's, what kind of seeds are there as to what's going to, going to come up. 
So the water will find the seeds. But what kind of things will be, be coming? So he says they can either be useful or not useful. Now you have your on your lawn, certain things are considered weeds. But if the same thing was grown in your garden, you might not consider it to be a weed. On your yard, certain uh, plants you don't want on your in your grass. You want it to be grass, even if they're good for other, other you know, some people like dandelion salads. I don't, but some people do. And uh, if you like that, then, you know, you might not see a dandelion in your grass as much as a weed as somebody else would, but uh, most people will consider them to be weeds in their, in their grass. So we can either be useful or we can be rejected is what he's talking about here. If they're thorns and thistles, it is rejected and near to being cursed whose end is to be burned. Now, the water is always the same. It's always the same water that's going to come down. What changes is the seed and how it responds to the water. So we can't keep water off bad seeds, so the only thing you can do is keep the bad seeds out. So what he's telling these people here is there's, there's going to be seeds. Water's coming down. When that water comes down, it's, those seeds are going to respond to it. Something's going to happen. So we need to make sure that we get to keep the bad seeds out. We don't have those things going on. Uh, I put some, and just a big, long, blank line in there because I wasn't going to make it individual. You can write as many of these things down as you want, and it is not an exhaustive list. But things that produce bad seeds, these are things that will actually produce bad seeds on the inside of you, that when they are watered, they will bring up things that you do not want. So the idea is to get rid of the bad seeds. If you get rid of the bad seeds, then things will be better. So here we go. Gossip. Gossip produces bad seeds. If I go around spreading gossip, if I go around speaking gossip, if I go around saying these things, it produces in me bad seeds that when the water comes down, those bad seeds come out. We don't need them. Bitterness. If I allow bitterness into my life, this will bring bad seeds. Uh, unforgiveness. Pride. Allowing pride to be in your life, this is going to bring about bad seeds. When water comes down, these things are going to come up. Bad things are going to come up. Unbelief. Unbelief fosters more unbelief. And a lot of other bad things can come from it. Poor thoughts. Just thoughts that are coming. They're just not, not beneficial for anyone. Bad language. Wrong desires. All these things, if we allow them to be in our life, they're going to bring bad seeds in. And once those bad seeds get in there, they're just waiting for the opportunity. To, to, to get going. Just like if you have a lawn, the best thing to do is to keep the weeds off the lawn. Because if you get weeds on there, then the weeds come up and they send more seeds out. And then those bad seeds are out there. And even if you get that one dandelion that's there, he's already sent out a thousand other dandelion seeds and they're all over your, your lawn. And they're going to come up in the next year or two years or whatever it might be. And now you're going to keep dealing with those. So the best thing to do is to keep all the lawn weeds off and then the seeds don't come in. Of course, if you have a neighbor and they have bad seeds, they're going to be coming over, but it's a whole lot easier to control that. Have you ever heard of someone who's come out of a church service? You came out of the same church service and you both are in the church service. You're hearing the Word of God preached. You're hearing the Word of God ministered and you both come out and you're talking about it and they tell you something like this. I've been thinking that this is the direction I was supposed to, supposed to go and the word I heard tonight just confirmed it. And you're thinking, dear Lord, how could that word just confirm that? That's the most ungodly thing that you could ever do. 
Have you ever heard anybody? I've heard people do this. They come out and they're saying, I've, well, I was thinking, I'm not, I'm not this, I haven't heard this severe, but I've heard about it. You got uh, people coming out. It says, well, I just heard that word preached tonight and I'm just convinced after hearing that, I just need to divorce my spouse. What? <laughs> but, you know, they heard something because they got bad seeds down the inside. They've been thinking poor thoughts about their spouse. And when they heard a certain thing, it just ignited what was already a poor thought. And that bad seed came up. They've been harboring unforgiveness. And because of that unforgiveness they were harboring, when the water came, the wrong seed came up. And you hear people say, I just heard that word or I read that scripture or I was listening to so-and-so. And I just confirmed for me what I was thinking I ought to do. And you hear you say, no, no, that's wrong. But that's what they, they do. Because the same rain can come down. And if you've got bad seeds going on the inside, bad seeds are going to come up. Isn't that amazing that the, the word of God can come down and, and, and do some bad seeds and, and, and bring out some bad seeds. And you've got a Bible example of it. Look at the Pharisees. They heard the word all the time. What did it do for them? Oh, we need to kill him. <laughs> we need to take him out. He needs to go. <laughs> what, did, what did it do for Judas? He heard the word of God all the time. What did it do? Brought out bad seeds. When the woman came and uh, anointed Jesus because she saw him as valuable and she did something valuable with him in the anointing, what did it do for Judas? You see, the same water can come down and it can produce bad seed or it can produce good seed. It depends on what you put on the inside. That's why you got to make sure you tend the garden. I heard somebody was talking about this. Um, <clears throat> I didn't really think of it to, to share with you all, but thinking of it this way, it could go. Y'all know those California wildfires been going on and burning up the state, and it seems like every year we're burning down part of California. I heard someone say that if you think of the, some of the southeastern states are actually more densely forested than California, and specifically they brought up an example of Georgia. Did you know that per acre, Georgia has more trees than California does? And in fact, they say if you, if you fly over the state of Georgia, the trees are so heavy and so dense that you cannot even see the roads. That's how dense it is. But how many, when was the last time you heard of a fire down in Georgia? And there's a reason for that. Most of the land in Georgia is privately owned. And because it's privately owned and the government there doesn't get in their way, the state government doesn't get in their way, and because it's privately owned, they go in and they clear it out. They clear out the dead wood. They clear out the, the bad trees. And they do things with them, but they, they clear it out so that it's not sitting around there. What do they do in California? You just got to let it be natural. You just got to let it go and, and have whatever. And so what happens? In fact, it's so bad, you're not even allowed to cut down the trees that are near your house. I heard some people trying to cut down trees near their house, so if there was a fire, it wouldn't get under their house. They weren't even allowed to do that. Well, I heard the story of one guy. He went out and cut them down anyway. <laughs> he said, let them come get me. At least I saved my house. When a fire was, was coming by, he just cut them all down and, and pulled them all away. Uh, he said, they won't let you do that. The Word of God said, what did he say, say to Adam and Eve about the garden? Keep it. See, nature doesn't take care of itself real well. It needs somebody to come along and, and to, to help it out. God made it that way. That's why I put man here to come in here and to keep it. So when you see a dead tree, what should you do? Let it rot? Become firewood? No, you go out there and you, you take it out. 
You, you put it, cut it up into firewood pieces, let people burn it in the house. And then it's in a nice little controlled area instead of out there starting fires. So Georgia's got all this nice stuff going on and California's got ashes all over the place. That's the difference in, difference in what's going on. It just depends on how you, uh, how you keep it. Keep your, your life. Tend it. Don't let the things fester that can cause fires, that can cause destruction. Get those things out, and you'll have a much better, much better way of it. Well, he picks up here in verse 10, But, beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you, yes, things that accompany salvation, though we speak in this manner. We're confident of better things. He says, we've seen you. We, we know that you've got better stuff in you. We've all heard that before. How many were in, in the classroom? And a teacher pulled you aside and said, Steve, I know you can do better. You ever heard that? Yeah, I've heard that. I had a lot of teachers who thought I could do better. <laughs> the thing was, I wasn't that interested in doing better. I wanted to go out and play hockey and football and other stuff like that. I didn't want to sit around and study and, and uh, <laughs> apply myself to, to those things. But they'd pull you aside and say, you know, you can do better. And you can see that. Sometimes you can see potential in people, but they're just not tapping into it. And so this is what the, the writer here is saying. You guys, we've got confidence that you can do better. You don't have bad seed. You don't have to have bad seed. You can have good seed. And when that rain comes down, productive things, useful things. Boy, glory to God, it'd be good to have for us to produce useful things. Sometimes we've allowed ourselves to produce unuseful things. When we come in with all this extra, extra stuff, we're not helping anybody out. Gossip, bitterness, unforgiveness, this isn't helping, helping things out. And it's producing bad seed on the inside of us. I heard um, a teacher I used to listen to a long time ago. He used to talk about um, uh, weed seeds that uh, people... Ever heard people who got won the lottery, came into a whole lot of money all of a sudden? And they were going to church, going to church, going to church, faithful, going to church, faithful. And all of a sudden they got a lot of money and pretty soon their attendance got shorter. And pretty soon it was sporadic. And then they kind of went away. And you say, well, the money made them bad. And his, his viewpoint was, he says, no, it wasn't the money made it bad. It was the money that gave the opportunity for those seeds to come to life. But those seeds were always there. But that was a different way of looking at it. But beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation, though we speak in this manner. There are certain things, and when you get saved, that ought to come along with it. And once you get saved, these things ought to, ought to come about. You know, we're used to this, this idea of things that accompany. If, if you start eating healthy, and you give up on all the fried foods... And all the hamburgers and I don't know what else. What else is considered unhealthy? <clears throat> um, what's that? Chicken nuggets. Chicken nuggets. <laughs> Whatever. All, all that quick, sure. quick stuff. Too many carbs. <laughs> if if you go through the thing and you say I'm going to stay away from those and I'm going to be eating salads <laughs> and I'm going to be eating um, uh, whatever it is you're going to you pick some healthy stuff and you stay with that for a month. How many of you are expecting certain things to accompany? You're going in this direction. If I'm going to put that effort into eating this way and, and not going in the way that my body wants to go, I expect to see certain, certain things 
come out of this? Well, it's the same thing here. We are confident of better things concerning you. We're, we're, seeing, we're seeing the word of God that, that you're receiving. We're seeing the word of God that you guys are absorbing that's coming down upon you. We know what's in you. And because of this, we know that good things can come out. Good things can come for you. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have, sh- have sh- shown toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. God's not going to forget your work. He's not going to forget the things that you do. We got, we got better things for you. Not thorns and thistles. We're looking for useful things that are going to come out. That when the word of God comes down upon you, that useful things for God's kingdom, for your life, for the lives of the people around you, those things begin to come out. And those useful things, when they come out, and I begin to walk in them, and I begin to do them, the Father God is looking down upon us, and He's saying, those are good. He's not going to forget our work. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. So the idea here is that the water of the word comes down upon us and takes the good seeds that we've got, brings them to a place of, of fruit, and those, that fruit is useful. It is beneficial. It is helpful. And that the people around us benefit from it. And what God sees the people around us benefiting from the usefulness that we begin to produce, and He won't forget it. He won't forget it. So I'm going to keep on remembering that. Now, the enemy looks at what we do in the area of, of good and how we're benefiting and how we're doing good, and He wants just to get weary in well doing. You all remember that verse. He wants you to grow weary in well doing. Because if He can get you to grow weary in well doing, then you'll quit it. And if you quit it, then you you stop putting things away for the kingdom that is to come. So how does he how does he do that? How does he get you to quit? Well, he, he just gets you to to think all that I'm doing. I'm ministering in love, and and people are not coming back to me the same way. It's just not beneficial. It's not helping me. I'm not necessarily receiving a direct benefit. I'm eating healthy. But I don't seem to be getting any better. I'm staying away from the fried foods and the carbohydrates, but I'm not losing weight. I'm exercising. I'm going out there and I'm doing the stuff I'm supposed to do, but I don't see the benefit in my body. Why are you continuing to go? Why do you, why do you keep going at it? There's no, no sense in it. It's not benefiting you. Go ahead and quit. And see, the reason that we grow weary in well-doing is because we don't think there's any immediate benefit. I'd keep doing it if I saw an immediate benefit. But I don't see immediate benefit, so therefore I don't do it. That's all there is to it. You know, you would think that, you know, all the, all the education we have on oil changes, how many of you think most people would be pretty mindful of changing your oil and would change your oil all the time? Why do people forget it? Well, I could change it, but, you know, the car's running fine. No problem with the car. Why do I have to go and change all these fluids? Well, you see, the idea is to keep it from having a problem. And if you go out there and you change the, change the oil, the whole idea is that you don't have a problem because you keep doing those things. But if you don't do it and you start sensing a problem, now it's too late. 
So you don't want to get to that spot with your Christian life. You want to keep on going, doing the good things, not because it's going to benefit you directly. That's not your motivation for it. If you have a motivation that says, well, I'm going to be nice to brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so. I'm going to be nice to them. I'm going to be kind to them. I'm going to walk in love and not be in unforgiveness because it's going to benefit you. Then the devil's going to have a field day with that and eventually he's going to get you wore down to where you're not going to do it anymore. No, we've got to look at this and say, Father God, if I produce this good stuff, it's going to benefit your kingdom. If it benefits your kingdom, you're not going to forget this. You're going to look back on me and say, hey, there's Steve over there. He keeps going, doing these things, and these things are benefiting the kingdom. I'm not going to forget that. I'm going to keep that in mind. Uh, and that, that's what he wants them to do. Just keep this in mind. God's not going to, he's not going to forget. God is not unjust to forget your work. Everybody else might forget it. Nobody else might even notice it. It don't matter. God's not unjust to forget it. And so what he's telling you right here in the Word of God, this is the promise you have in the Word of God, that whatever you do in the area of good fruit, good works, works that benefit the kingdom of God, God looks down upon it and he is not going to forget it. That means whatever you did 50 years ago, 40 years ago, 30 years ago, he still remembers he remembers like it was yesterday. And he's going to reward. But just don't grow weary in it. Don't get tired of it. Keep on going. And if you focus on making sure that in your life you get rid of all that bad stuff, all that flesh stuff, all that anger, just get rid of it. Have it out of your, out of your system. Then when the waters come down, all it can do is find good seed and all that can come up it's good seed. That's it. You won't be one of those nuts that comes out of church and says, well, I just need a divorce. I just need to... Well, the Lord showed me today it's okay for me not to be forgiving so-and-so. <clears throat> I've heard that one. I have heard people come out of church and say stuff like that. It's just amazing what people will, will come out with. But you see, it's because they had bad seed. And then you know, all right, well, they're not, they're not maintaining something in their life. <laughs> Got to keep maintaining. Got to keep cutting down those dead trees. Get them out of that forest. Take them out. All these, uh, you know, all the stuff they do to tell you how bad lumber companies are. I mean, that is the most ridiculous thing in the world. Telling you how bad lumber companies are because they go down and they cut down trees. Yeah, I, every single lumber company that I know of, and it'd be foolish for them not to, plants more trees than any other organization that I know of. You know why? Because they benefit from it. If they cut down a tree, they at least plant one or two more. They plant them. Put them in the ground, plant them, get them ready to go. <laughs> because they know eventually they're going to grow up and become big trees. And so they want to see the, the little trees become big trees. Because it benefits them. Then down the road, maybe they'll be around long enough they can cut that one down. And then plant another one. So it helps them to, you know, cut some down, plant some more. Cut them down, plant some more. That's all right. It's amazing, you know, out in California, how many thousands, how many tens of thousands, millions of trees have burned down just in that one state. And what did they benefit? Did they benefit anyone? There was no paper made. There was no logs cut. There was no furniture made out of it. It just all burned up. 
Now, if a logging company went out there and cleared out all that area, they would be all up in arms about the logging company for doing it. But they wouldn't have destroyed any houses or caused any other harm. Or when a logging company goes in, they don't take out all the trees in an area. <laughs> they take out some of the trees and uh, they, they do a very nice job with it. But anyway, God won't forget your service. Don't let the devil get you to think that God will forget. God does not forget your service. But sometimes, folks, <clears throat> the Word of God has come down and the wrong seeds have come up. And I'm, what I'm thinking is, I'm doing this for the kingdom of God. And God says, that's not part of my kingdom. My word tells you better than that. But we think it is because bad seed has been allowed to get into our life. Keep the bad seed out. You don't need that stuff going on. What you want is joy, gladness, love, forgiveness, positive attitudes, generosity. These are the things you want to come down on the inside of you. So when the water of the word comes down, these things come out even more. That's what you want. Verse 11. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. What he's saying here is this. When you first got started in something, how many of y'all know you were, you were very diligent to it? When you first got started on a diet, when you first got started on an exercise program, when you first bought a new car, how many of you were diligent to keep that car clean? How many of that kind of fell off by the wayside? I know some people are just very meticulous about that. No matter how old they have that car, that car is, is going to be immaculate the whole, whole way on over. But after, you know, some, some folks they get a new car, all right, I am not going to let this car become like my old car. No food in this car at all. Right? That's one of the rules that will pass. No food. No trash in this car. And every time that they leave the car, everything they had in the car comes out. And that, that works for a little while, and then all of a sudden they start to lose a little bit of that to it. And, and you know, and then all of a sudden it's okay to have a soda in the car or, or just because I'm real thirsty right now. But no food. Just, you know, a little, a little something to drink. That's okay. And then pretty soon that turns into French fries. Or, or a hamburger or something else. And then pretty soon that, old, that new car is looking like the old car. Because what happened? We were diligent in the beginning. We had enthusiasm, but it didn't last. We didn't maintain it. And it didn't keep going on. This is what he's saying. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. So whatever diligence you start off with in the beginning, don't let it falter. Keep it going. Isn't it amazing that we show, in most things, we show more diligence in the beginning than we do at the end. In most things, we become a little wore out, a little tired. But that's what he's saying. He said, no, no, no. I'm not, he's not even telling them to get in, to increase. He's just saying maintain it. Whatever diligence you started with, maintain that diligence. Keep it going. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. So just don't let it falter. Just keep that going. See, the enemy sometimes comes on and says, you need to be more diligent. You need to be more, 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 more. And we keep trying to push more and it worse us out. If you could just take the same diligence when you first got born again, 
that you had for some of these things, you weren't quite as laid back on it. You were, you were after it. Just like that first week you were on a new diet. That first week you were in a new exercise program or joined the new gym or had the new car or you bought the new house vacuuming the floor every day. We're going to make sure. Got that new house. You want to go out there and cut the lawn all the time. After a couple of years cutting the lawn, you begin to say, oh, I've got to cut the lawn again. See, that same diligence isn't, isn't there. It begins to fall away. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. That you do not become sluggish. Well, I didn't go over this with that. That word diligence means earnest, zeal, haste, or speed. It's, it's talking about some. you're quick on it. Just like that new car. If you've got, you got something that's spilled in the car, got a little powder out on there, what do you, what do you quickly do? Man, grab the vacuum. We've got to vacuum this up. I've got to get this out of the car. It can't be in the car. I've got to get out. But then after a while, well, I'll get to that. I'll wait till, I'll wait till it's a better day or over by the gas station. They've got a vacuum over there. Talking about some speed that you get, get to it. This word here for sluggish, that you be not sluggish or slothful. The King James word is slothful. The um, New King James word is, is sluggish. And, of course, we get that uh, wonderful name for that animal, a sloth. Favorite Geico commercial current is that one where you have the sloth up there and he's drawing the straight line on down and they're all trying to guess what it is. <laughs> That's hysterical. They're really doing a lot of fun things with the... With the with the sloth now, I guess since that uh, Disney movie, who is it? Disney is uh, had the sloth in it. What was his name Flash? Something like that. <laughs> and he appropriately, if you didn't see that movie, he appropriately worked for the DMV. <laughs> There's a lot of fun that they had with with that. But you get the idea. Uh, diligence, quick, sloth, slow. Slow. Diligence, quick, sloth, slow. So here's a contrast that is there. Now this word for, for sluggish or slothfulness only used twice in the New Testament. Only used two times and only by one author. <laughs> and that's whoever wrote the book of Hebrews. Only time it is ever done. Here's the one. The other one we've already gone over. And you probably won't pick it out just right away. But it's in chapter 5 and verse 11. When it talks about being dull in hearing. It's the same word. Only two times that word is used. Now it means a lack of... In, in 5.11 it's talking about a lack of receptibility, receptivity, receptivity to God's truth or a slowness to respond or understand. That's what this would be talking about. A slowness to respond or to understand. That you're becoming dull because when you hear it, you're not as quick to respond. You're slow to respond. You, well, I've heard this over and over again. You just, you don't, it doesn't get your attention. That's in 5.11. In 6.12 here, it's a slowness to pursue the promise. I'm, I'm slow in this area. I'm, I, I'm like a sloth. All right, I'm going to go there, but in my own time. Eventually, I will get there. 
You don't get the idea that a sloth is in a hurry. There's no urgency. You wonder, how does that species survive? I don't know. I think they must have some help. There's very little... There's very little effort on the part of the person to, to move forward on this. I, I know I need to do that, and I'm, I'm going to get there. Put in your, your outline this way. The inward desire is off. The inward desire, it's off. It's not right. And then it's affecting the final results. Brother, um, remember listening to Brother Rick Renner. I can still visually see him telling this story because he is so descriptive in his stories. And he was talking about one time that the Lord had uh, dealt with him. And he said, uh, he said, Rick, I want you to get to eradicate slothfulness from your life. And up to that time, he said he always equated slothfulness with laziness. And he did a study on it and went through the Greek and did all, went through the Word of God and was doing some study on this. And he found out that how you can be uh, not lazy at all and still be slothful. And that described his life. He was not lazy. He was always working. He was always out there doing some things. But there was an inward part of him that just wasn't pursuing it as, as strong as he, as he had before. It, uh, it was becoming sluggish, becoming a little slothful in in the whole thing it's just uh you know you're you're doing you're going through the motions you're doing the thing but it's just not quite to the degree that it had been before you know if you were watching the, i guess the olympics are coming up you watch the people with the olympics and you know you watch some of those people and the, the form that they have that makes it they make everything look so easy they make downhill skill and look like skiing like a piece of cake like anybody could just jump right in there and do it They get up on that really high slope and they go down, 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 down. They hit the jump and they just float in the air and just flutter on down and then just land. And when you get up there and you actually see where it is that they're starting and what it is that they're sliding to and how high up in the air they're jumping, And how close to death they can come each time that they do this thing. You're thinking, but they just go. But if you're a little off, it's not quite right. We don't have to quite have the results of, uh, for all you folks who go back to Howard Cosell, the wide world of sports, the thrill of victory, and the agony of defeat. And what do they always show with the agony of defeat? The downhill ski jumper coming off the side of the jump, twisting and going all kinds of directions and not what he was supposed to be doing. <laughs> and that was not, I'm sure that he survived because they would not have put it on the <laughs> TV commercial. If he had not survived, probably got up and walked away from it. Or uh, I just can't imagine that they would have used it for any other, other thing. But you can tell when the, the style is just not quite there. just not quite the same as it, as it had been. 
won't get the same results. We've got to go after it with the same fervency. We've got to go after it with, with everything to do, whatever it is that we do for God. Every time we pick it up, we've got to go after it with fervency. We've got to go after it. Not be slothful. Not get sluggish to this thing. No, no, no. We, we keep going. Every day I get renewed on what it is that I'm doing. Renewed on the purpose. What are we doing out here? All right, we're here to do this. And we list what it is that we're, that we're doing. Every time that, that I come to the Word of God, I can't ever approach the Word of God and say, well, I've already covered this. So it's kind of boring now. <laughs> no, every time we come out, well, there's more for me to learn in there. There's more for us to, to go after. There's more stuff that we need to, to get hold of. We haven't learned it all. And we can't become sluggish. We can't become slothful in these things. We've got to get, eradicate sluggishness, slothfulness from our life. Then no matter what, when God says, here's an opportunity, we run to it. When we have an opportunity to walk in forgiveness, we run to it. When we have an opportunity to get rid of anger in our life, to believe the best in people instead of believing the worst, whatever it might be, we run to it. We embrace it. We go after it with everything we've got. But what keeps us from doing that all the time with people, what keeps me from embracing, believing the best, is because I have believed the best in some people and they let me down. I have forgiven some people and they've done it again. And so I get to be a little sluggish in doing it again. A little slothful, a little slow. Not diligent, not quick, not making haste. No, 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 I'm kind of slowing back, kind of pulling back a little bit. I just, I, I, I want to do this, but I'm just not sure. And I've gotten burned. I've had, I've had the problems with this before. We've got to be on guard against it. We've got to make sure that doesn't come up. Let's read this verse of Scripture again. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. Have that full assurance of hope. No, see, sluggishness, I've lost some of the hope. That may not turn out the way that I think it might or the way that I hope that it might, it might not be. And so I'm a little slow that you do not become sluggish but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. Don't, inten- don't, in- um, don't imitate those that are around you. Imitate those who came before you. But the enemy is always reminding us about people that are around us. Look at brother so-and-so. Look at sister so-and-so. Look at how they're operating in life. Look at what the- they're doing. They're not going after this the way you are. Why do you feel like you have to go after this so much? Why do you feel like you have to... See, he wants to get us to compare to the people that are around us. The, the writer here is saying, no, look at the people who went before. Look at the Abrahams. Look at the Isaacs and Jacobs. Look at the Moseses. Look at the guys who, through faith and patience, inherited the promises. Those are the guys you look at. Not the people that are around you. The ones who went before you, who achieved their promise. The Joseph who, after 17 years saw what God had said would happen. 
the Abraham, who after 25 years saw that child. Those are the ones that you want to have in front of you. Those are the ones you want to keep before you. See, they're the ones that are going to keep you diligent. The people around you that the devil wants to bring up, they're the people that are going to make you sluggish. Don't be sluggish. <laughs> Get rid of the sluggishness. Get, remember every time you see sloth, you ought to be thinking, i got to get rid of that. We want no sloths in my life. What I want is uh, the racer rabbits. You know, the guys that are, let's go. Let's take it on. That's the direction that we want to go. All right. The enemy tempts us to imitate those who are sluggish or slothful. But the exhortation is to imitate those who went before us, not those who are around us. In case you didn't get that. The exhortation is to imitate and imitate. How did Abraham do this? How did Jacob do this? How did Joseph do this? How did Joshua? How did David? We go through all these different ones. How did they do it? What did they do? And I keep looking. These are the guys I want in front of. These are the guys that I want to look at. These are the ones that we want to pursue. This is what we want to do. Who are the people that you have that are in your life that push you into the area of diligence not in the area of slothfulness. Make sure that you have them in. Who are your heroes in the Bible? Who are your heroes in the Word of God? Who do you keep before you all the time? I, and you can't just say, I, I don't just say all of them. I mean, there's certain ones that are that you're going to keep out more. You know the people I keep out more. And there's reasons for it. I keep the Daniels more so than the Elijahs. Because there's the Daniels and the, and the ones like that who pursued understanding revelation of the Word. And see, that's the thing I'm, I'm called to do. That's what I need to do. So I've, I pull those guys out and I'm constantly thinking. I don't teach them Daniel all the time, but I'm constantly thinking about him. How did Daniel, what did Daniel, and I'm always thinking about his life and the things that he went through to get those revelations. I think of the Josephs. I think of that of, of, of people in these areas. I think of the Pauls. I, I think of the people who pressed in to get the revelation. What did they do? These are the guys I got to keep around me. These are the guys I got to keep in front of me. Other people, you know, they might have a David in there. They, 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 they want to go in a direction that David went in. They're going to keep him at their forefront. What did David, how is David going about these kind of things? And certainly we can learn from all the people that are in the Word of God. But there are certain ones that have a certain calling similar to what you got. And you got to have people like that in front. People that are going to get you in the area of diligence. That you don't back off. You don't slack off. You just, you just keep on going. See, the, the enemy, if you I'll use mine as a case, the enemy wants me to say, hey, look at all these ministers. They get 365, or what they, what they do, 52 sermons a year. And they subscribe to it. And they get mailed, and it's out there. These things are out there. And they get mailed to them the sermon for the Sunday. And all they do is they, they pull it out and they read it over. I am not making this up. They read it over an hour before the service. And then they go out and they, and they read what was, what was going on? You can subscribe to it. You can get 52 sermons <laughs> for, for your Sunday morning. All the work's all done. Laid it all out. They have it where you're supposed to go. Dear Lord, how in the world they do that? I don't, I don't, don't understand it. I don't want them. I don't look into them. 
that's just not the not the direction to go. And that's not the kind of people I want around me. They're not the ones. See, those those ones are going to make you sluggish. That's not what we want. We want people that are going to move you on. They're going to drive you on forward. And this is where you need to go. This is where you need to, to push to. Have those people in your life. Have those people around you. And be thinking. Because are you going in the way of the sloth? Or are you going in the way of the diligent? Are you making haste? Or are you slowing down? And what he says, he exhorts us right here is, stay at at least the same speed. Keep that same diligence until the end. Until the end. If he says that we can do it, we can do it. Even though I may have taken on a diet, taken on an exercise program, done something, and didn't keep the same diligence after the first week, month, whatever it might be, it doesn't mean that I can't do it. If he is telling us that we can do it, every single one of us is capable of this kind of diligence for the rest of your life. You don't ever have to become slothful. You can keep pressing in. Father, we thank you that this is in the Word and that we can have the vision of not ever having to become slothful, to slow down, to become sluggish, but we can have the same diligence, the same zeal, the same haste to pursue the things of God that we had when we first got born again. And I thank you, you, Father, we can maintain it. And as we maintain it, and as we get in that water, and that rain comes down, and the seeds begin to come up, those are good seeds because we've been maintaining the field. And the earth that we have is good earth. It's good soil. And it produces 100-fold. And I thank you for it, Father. And as that 100-fold comes up, and the fruit comes, and it's beneficial, you look upon it, and you say, I will not forget the fruit that you have been bearing and the benefit that it has been for our kingdom. Father, we thank you for it. We give you the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.